We're outperforming all our major competitors in retail, so we're showing double-digit growth when um, retail's been under some pressure and most of our competitors are in double-digit decline. So we've got a five-year strategic plan and we're really excited about it and what we're going to do. Welcome to our award-winning podcast. Yes, last week we picked up the award for podcast of the year at the Campaign Publishing Awards. So, producer Dan, thank you so much for all the work you've put in. We've got Joe, obviously, who's the editor that puts this all together, uh, and me, and I just say things into a microphone and hope for the best. So, yeah, we are officially an award-winning podcast. The judges said that we'd identified a clear gap in the markets, and this podcast has huge potential. So, thank you very much to everybody that listens, subscribes, rates, and indeed comments, and welcome to the award-winning Success is in the Mind. On today's show, we've Anne Perkins, co-founder and CEO of health snack brand Perkia. In a previous life, Anne worked for the global food brand Kraft Heinz before jumping ship to pursue her passion for tasty, nutritious and ethical food. Anne started by making Perkia bars in her kitchen and now supplies the likes of Sainsbury's, Asda and Morrison's. With the global health food market on the rise, could you soon be reaching into your cupboard for a Perkia bar? Anne, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Oliver. Delighted to be here today. <laughs> Thank you. And you've worked for many businesses in the past that are in the food and beverages world. Mars, Unilever, you know, Kraft Heinz, you worked there for over a decade. You've a lot of experience in that world. You then jumped ship to to start Perkia. What was the reason for that? Yeah, so I was diagnosed to need to eat gluten and dairy-free. And um, yeah, it probably took me quite a long time to be diagnosed with those food intolerances. And uh, yeah, over time when I had to take them out of my diet, I, I felt so much better but I felt really frustrated by the choices available to me so yeah I just started thinking maybe maybe I could do something myself in this space and it, it must have been quite difficult to have been diagnosed with celiac disease and then go okay what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and start a business at the same time do you think you would have ever started a business had that not happened and you'd have gone through the career ladder of climbing craft Heinz and you know moving on would you have jumped ship had that not not occurred I actually think in hindsight I probably would have but I think it would have been for different reasons as soon as I left and I started the business up I realized that it is just something that I love I actually really really love building a business um I, I I love every element of it, apart from taking the bins out. <laughs> and I usually try and delegate that to Steve. Rightly so. But no, I, I, I really absolutely love having my own business. So, um, yeah, I think there would have been another calling. I think it would have always been about building a brand of purpose. But I think as we built Perkio we, and, and the industry's moved on and consumers' attitudes have moved on as we've been building the business, I think there's so many different elements that we tap into now. So we've got a very strong sustainability ethic as well well as being making sure that our products are free from things like gluten, dairy, they're vegan. You know, there's lots of things that we're really passionate about and we actually wrap it all up into Perkia. But I think if we didn't have Perkia, um, we'd be pursuing some of those areas with, with other product propositions. And Steve Turner, you alluded to him earlier regarding taking bins out. Yes. Um, he, <laughs> he, he did work his way up to the top of the, the Kraft Heinz ladder, so to speak, and I believe was MD between 06 and 07. He obviously is very much involved in Perkia now. Do you think that that background of having the experience in such a large business has really assisted you guys to grow as you have? Yeah, definitely. We were a great complement to each other, I think. You know, we, we, we met at at Heinz so we know how to work together you know our initial relationship was very much like working together on different projects and we've got very complementary skills and experiences so whereas my experience is really in the consumer insight and marketing world Steve as you say he had some very senior roles 
Um, so he did lead, um, you know, whole categories, whole areas of the business and was P&L responsible for large chunks of business, including like the European sources business, which was huge. But he also started his career in R&D and manufacturing. So the product development side of things from a technical standpoint sits with Steve. And also in terms of us being able to go and source, you know, robust suppliers to make our products to our specifications um, has been really, really good. So whilst I've learned how to audit factories and audit suppliers through the journey with Perkia, Steve could go in and do it right, you know, off the cuff. And I think naturally sort of different activities sort of fall into place between the two, you know, not between the two of us, to, to either of us. We work together on a lot of things, but... Um, we're very clear on on who owns what. Because it, it's not cheap to start a business in your world in terms of actually buying product, buying manufacturing space, distributing it, storing it, that kind of thing. You know, how did you fund the initial startup phase? Did you go for investment or did you sweat equity in your own cash? Yeah, we we did did it ourselves. So um, we did save a bit of money just to make sure that we had enough money to be able to explore the opportunities without having to you know take another job straight away but uh, yeah we were we just basically uh, bootstrapped the business and um, we're really proud of what we managed to achieve with very very little money how much money did you put in initially then um i think about fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. And, and when was the first time you guys started to turn a profit then we turned a profit quite early on um so probably in about a year or so i think since then we've actually we haven't turned a profit as we've increased our investment but yeah to start with we basically managed our cash really really carefully and uh, like you say, um, it is expensive to start up a business in some ways, but actually there are lots of ways that you can do things on a bit of a shoestring. You know, you just need to be <laughs> creative about it. Mm-hmm. And, and when you say talk about investment, you guys putting the 50000 in and then not turning a profit over recently because you've, you've got more investment. What does that uh, additional uh, capital investment look like? Yeah, so we've got some, um, we've got a great investment group called Nexus um, on board and some angel investments on board in the company as well. So yeah, so they've, they've really supported us, but it's still relatively low level. I mean, a lot of people in our space have raised millions. We're, no, we're nowhere near that. Well, I was going to say, because you guys have got a hell of a competition out there, but you, I mean, the brand and the product looks excellent. It looks visually incredible. And, and I can see it on the shelves because you're in Sainsbury's, you're in Asda, you're in so many high street uh, supermarkets. But the competition is massive. Grenade have just sold for 200 million quid. I mean, how do you guys cut through the noise? Yeah, it's interesting. I think practically all our competitors are now owned by big multinationals. I think we're one of the only <laughs> um, it, truly independent um, British businesses out there in the snacking world, um, which we're really proud of. And uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter. I think in some ways, you know, it does. Money gives you. Um, it, it can give you some clout, but it, it you know it doesn't necessarily give you creativity. You know, so I think it's really a matter of just working creatively to make sure that you know things like you say our packaging design is on point and it communicates our key messages. Who did that? So yes, we've worked with an independent freelancer, um, and um, we've also worked with Honey Design. Okay, because I mean it is brilliant. I looked at it and I thought it was exactly what 
I'm assuming you guys are wanting it to say, and it looks friendly and inviting. And but you've got such a diverse range of products as well. So you've obviously got you know the, the, the porridges, you've obviously got the bars, you've got the little snack bites. I mean, why diversify your portfolio if one product's working well? Was that what was the strategic decision behind that? So we looked at the consumer needs around sort of health and sustainability and sort of eating free from, and the two sort of category areas that came out of some of the bigger challenges were breakfast and snacking, but particularly snacking, and that's where the main uh, stay of our focus goes um, into snacking because it's when you're out on the go you know traveling to work and um, snacking at work or going to the gym or you know in these different occasions that it can often be more difficult to get a really healthy snack that is has also got good ethical stance and is free from certain foods that you might need to avoid. Do you think I mean with regards to the, the ethical and the free from stance you were pretty early adopters of that six years ago and it's becoming more and more mainstream and uh, in the introduction we alluded to the fact that you know maybe one day we'll open up our cupboards and and, and perkier will uh, will be there do you think it's going to become more and more normal for people to want specifically to have these ethical free from products or you know do you think it'll be capped in the next couple of years Yes, I think that the demand from consumers for ethical and free farm and sort of healthy products is definitely on the rise. In a way, the impact of COVID, I think, has brought home what we can do ourselves, what difference we can make ourselves, particularly from a sustainability platform. Um, I think some of the work, you know, that David Attenborough does when he talks about, you know, humans being intruders and really animals and, and you know, the, the natural world existed way before we arrived. And even the, those of us that are most environmentally conscious about what we do, we still have an impact on the world. So I think that's really sort of cutting through with so many consumers now and they're really willing to make a different choice. And I think the younger generations are, are really trailblazing the way as well. And they will be, you know, the families of the future and the, the mainstay of the population in the future so I think a lot of these attitudes and behaviours that younger generations have will definitely sort of be carried through and in terms of your scale your, your team size it seems there's 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 four of you Matt Holly Steve and yourself and you know it's quite a lean team what what does the sort of future hold and why is it such a small team when you could probably quite easily just just gear up from an economy of scale point of view yeah, we will be expanding the team later this year, which is really exciting. Yeah, we've got some really exciting plans to double the team within the next 12 months. So that's really exciting. But yeah, it's partly about keeping our costs down as well um, in sensible times. So, you know, snacking has been hit quite hard by the COVID period. So food service, sort of food on the go was a big part of our business. Um, it's great news. It's opening up again now and you know, lockdown's easing and, and lots of people are commuting into the office, going to the gym and going back to university and schools but um, during the last sort of 12 months you know that side of the business has been quite slow and um, so that's really why we've we've kept the the team lean and just willing to sort of all sort of pitch in and, and get involved but yeah we're very excited to be bringing in some some exciting talent in the next 12 months and with regards to when you first started if we scale it back a little bit when you were making these bars on your on your kitchen table essentially you then every uh, you know other day or every other week sorry I should say went to the whole food market in London to try and sell this product now that seems to be a fairly i suppose normal narrative for people that are starting a business within the food market they go to these wholesale markets and they sell them you know alan sugar for one did it with his product now looking at that was that a brilliant lesson is that what you'd advise people to do or would you have gone and tried to get it into sainsbury's from day one 
I think it was a really, really good idea. Um, I think we started off at food shows and then getting into Whole Foods and Planet Organic in London was fantastic. I think what that showed us was real grassroots feedback from consumers because you're doing product testing, you know, in store on a regular basis. We were, you know, going up into London with our stand, setting it up in the front of Whole Foods and meeting, you know, hundreds of consumers telling us exactly what they thought of our foods. And same with the food shows that we went to. And um, and also pitching to buyers, um, pitching to buyers that probably had at that time a bit more more time to talk to um, a startup and um, would give really valuable feedback and would really try the products and engage. So what was the process? Do you give them taste bites and you gave them little bits to go, OK, so just taste this, give me feedback? Or did you sell them the product and then say, give me feedback down the line? Yeah, no, we get we went in and pitched the products with with the sort of brand presentation. So they would try the products whilst we were there. And then with Whole Foods, we actually then had sign off on the buyer. But then because each of the stores has the opportunity to choose what they want to buy as well, we then pitched it to all the store managers. Um, and again, had sort of a roundtable tasting with them, presented the brand to get their feedback and they were all on board too. So that process was actually really good for us. And although I've got, you know, a lot of uh, food industry experience, I've never worked in sales. So again, it was a really, really good sort of learning curve for me to understand and talk to people um, and sell the product at, at uh, you know, the people that were really engaged with food and really engaged with what they were going to be selling in their stores and, and really sort of thinking through for themselves, is this product going to work in my store? You know, is this what my customers are going to need? So yeah, I think it was really good um, from that point of view. And then I think as the business sort of grew, grew traction, it was like a shop window really for the retailers, the major retailers to see us. So actually, actually Asda's buyers came down to London to do what they call a safari, where they go around all the sort of premium um, health food shops and they spotted Perkia and they invited us in to pitch the business. So is that how you get into these high street brands and you have to, it's elements of luck I suppose rather than aggression? Yeah I think it's an, I think there's various ways you can get in. I think sometimes you know you do pitch you know through an email or a phone call or they might spot you in the press and they might pick you up that way. A lot of it has been through seeing us in other stores or seeing us at food shows has really helped. I think it's about sort of catching their eye and I think there is an element of luck but I think there's also an element of uh, are these guys doing something different to the others you know what is this something that I think is going to be differentiated on the shelves and I think with the retailers they were all really excited about what we were doing you know we launched our healthy snacks into the major retailers about four or five years ago now what we were offering was you know a genuinely whole food bar you know with things with ingredients like you know different superfoods like cacao and goji berries and puffed quinoa and um, you know binding the products together with chicory fiber which is a prebiotic it's a good for gut health you know there was all sorts of things that we were doing that our competition weren't they were still using rice puffs they were still gluing it together with like glucose syrups and um, and smothering it in palm oil and that wasn't really what we were about so I think they loved the fact that we were doing something different and that there's a backstory and the founders are very present in, in, in our communication. Are you looking for a PR company that can evaluate your brand profile and execute effective communications? Well, Blocks and PR, who work with some of the largest brands in the fashion, field sports and luxury lifestyle sectors, can do exactly that. Developing long-term relationships is at the heart of the Blocks and ethos, combining big thinking with big results. They simply never miss a trick, and they certainly didn't miss a trick, by partnering with us. 
Check them out at bloxandpr.com. Looking at, I suppose, likening you to another business of similar ethical and eco kind of vision and, and, and want, um, Innocent Smoothie springs to mind, right? And they've done very, very well. Granted, there's an element of irony there because they didn't they sell to Coca-Cola. But the point is, they started out with an excellent vision and, a, and an idea um, similar to you guys. Now, they grew massively, they grew rapidly. Do you see you, you know, growing as aggressively as them over the next couple of years? Or are you guys wanting to maintain full control over it and not have that Coca-Cola exit? Uh, we're not looking for a Coca-Cola exit, um, but we are definitely looking for huge growth and we're seeing really, really good growth. We're outperforming all our major competitors in retail, so we're showing double-digit growth when um, retail's been under some pressure and most of our competitors are in double-digit decline. So we've got a five-year strategic plan and we're really excited about it and what we're going to do. Because you you're outselling, it says, or at least you guys say, you're outselling Nestle and Mars. Now, that's huge, right? Is that That's not in terms of quantity, though. That's, that's surely in terms of just growth based on what you were selling last year versus this year, right? Yeah, it's growth rates and, um, and in, in some cases, actually, sales rates. So we won't necessarily have as many products on the shelf and in as many stores but if you strip that out and you actually look at the rate of sale of our products so the number of units of our products being sold against say kind bars we do actually outsell them in some of the supermarkets that we're stocked in relatively speaking our distribution footprint is a lot smaller than those guys uh, currently and our brand awareness is a lot lower um, but those people that do know about us and do buy us really love love what we offer You've got a good brand awareness um, once you kind of know you know sort of thing and you guys have been popping off left, right and centre since I've started looking at you guys and you've got nearly 50,000 followers, I suppose, on social accumulatively. That's that's a huge amount of people that are that are looking at you guys. You've also got a PR agency that work very closely with you guys. How do you go about doing your marketing, your flag waving and your, and your brand awareness? Because with four people, it must be quite a lot of work. Yes, yes, it is quite a lot of work, but we really love what we do. So it doesn't really feel like work in a way. So uh, social media, as you've tapped into there, is really key for us. Um, We've just launched our first um, brand ambassador community as well called the Perky Fam, who are really active on uh, Instagram and TikTok. And they're an absolutely awesome team. Um, I've got nearly 100 in the team so far. And uh, yeah, they really help promote and uh, and talk about our products as well because they genuinely really love what we do. Palm PR doing a great job for us, um, getting us great interviews like this, which is really good. And we've got some good uh, features in um, consumer press as well. But raising our profile as a, a brand and a company is a really key mm-hmm. priority for us. Because it must be, uh, it's a bold move when you're starting a business to go, right, we're going to outsource the PR, we're going to outsource the marketing. Because a lot of the time it's Emperor's New Clothing to a certain extent. You don't really know where the spend is going versus what you're actually getting because it's such a long process. And for a lot of founders, a lot of startups, they do struggle with that. They try and in-house it, but actually is their time better spent growing the business rather than doing the marketing? At what point did you guys kind of go, now is the time to pump this out to a PR company? Yeah, it was about last September that we actually thought that that would be a really good move for us just to get some extra support. I always think about with our, our marketing sort of services area is to think of them as we're all in one team. You know, we're, we've all got one set of goals. We always set, set our objectives for, for the quarter, for the year. We know what we want to achieve and we all sort of muck in and, and help where we can. So, yeah, I think you do have to be really careful um, about 
uh, how you go about marketing uh, your business and how much spend you put behind it as well and make sure that you know you test learn and really evaluate what impact it's having so what's what's test and learn then yeah so for example i mean good good example would be like digital marketing you know putting a relatively low budget behind a particular piece of creative with a particular audience making sure that you're getting you know good results and then if it if it's working really well you know increase the budget and increase the audience and test test it further same thing with um you know something like press advertising for example which we've we've tried various different things actually also with sort of some of the newspapers online and that just really didn't work for us so now it's very much a tactical approach if there's one thing you would suggest that most startups do in your world what would that be get really active on social media and digital marketing through the social media side of things to grow awareness because it's so measurable. So for example, we're on Amazon. We launched on Amazon last year. It's growing like topsy. We're growing at least 20% month on month. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. Amazon is the marketplace where everybody already is. And I know myself, I, I mean, as soon as we started up Perkia, I was on Amazon all the time because all the things that I wanted to get, like when we were doing shows and events, it was like, oh my God, where am I going to get this from? And I haven't got time to go to a, like a, a local town and like search around different shops. And suddenly you realise that there's this online marketplace, you know, that you can get almost everything. In. And I, I know it's got a huge reach in the UK now. So I think being where people are already shopping is definitely the way to go. Whereas with your own web shop, it can, there can be some barriers because some people don't necessarily want to buy from from a shop that they don't, you know, they haven't had an experience with before. Variety is the spice of life. And and I'm assuming, and this might be rightly or wrongly, but I'm assuming you and Steve are partners, not just business partners, right? Yes, that's right, yes. Fine. How yeah. is it working with your husband? <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> How much do you have to pay to say that? Yes, I think he's going to pay me quite a lot of money later. No, actually, we work really well together. I know it might sound a bit cheesy and stuff, but I think because we've known, we knew each other first as like, in a working environment, um, and then well, relationship came after that. But actually, I think in a way, you know, fundamentally, we we you know we work well. We're good friends, and then we're, we're in a relationship together. But I think, I think in a, I think. I do think it'd be very difficult to run a company with somebody in a way that you weren't in a partnership with if you were going to work really closely and it was going to be really full on because I think with us, we're, we're in it you know, together and we know the level of commitment and I, I think because we know each other so well, um, I think it, it, it actually aids us in a lot of ways because we can be flexible on what we want to do when we want to do it and just say, actually, yeah, we were thinking about taking some time off on that Saturday afternoon, but actually this opportunity's come up and we're going to go off and, you know, work on this instead. That's very exciting. And in hindsight, when you obviously started the business to what you know now then, Anne, what would you, and you, you obviously had a huge amount of experience in, in sort of this world before anyway, but what would you do differently running your own Running your own startup, running your own businesses, you kind of go, yeah, that could have been better. Yeah, I think investment, bringing investment in earlier is the is the one thing that I would have done quicker. I think bootstrapping the companies, you know, did work in a, a lot of ways for us, but I think we could have grown faster, quicker had we brought investment along. But I think would you've learned how to do that, how to bring investment at that stage? No, no. And when we had when we started that journey, we had to learn completely from scratch. So yeah, it was a very steep learning curve. It's very time intensive. It's been a great, a really, really great experience. And um, and our investors are 
are fantastic because they're so engaged in what we do, so supportive. Those are the hands-on investors. Um, some of them get quite hands-on. Some of them are very um, quiet. It's a real mishmash. Yeah, some of them are quite happily to have like a quarterly update, and um, you know, and that's it. And, and others will be throwing ideas and thoughts and giving me a call if I think of an opportunity, um, which we really love too. And they're all from different backgrounds as well, so um, they see, do see things through through different different eyes, as it were. And uh, yeah, that's been really helpful, really useful. So um, I think you know we've 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 loved that purpose of that, that sort of journey from I think from a personal understanding of how you do it and what what you do and then meeting some fantastic people and then onboarding them onto our into our sort of business onto our team um has been has been great but yeah i think that's the one thing but i think what what was quite a tricky thing was that we we landed a lot of retail business very very quickly and we were a small team and it just got quite tricky to think actually you know if we take the as a key priority for the next x number of months to bring investment on board you know what's going to slip so that was the challenge. But it's a bit of a chicken and the egg, right? Because you need the cash to manufacture it to get it into the supermarkets, but you need the supermarkets to buy it so that you can get your cash back. So it must be quite a difficult one to manage. Yeah, yeah. It's a judgment call. And, you know, I don't think we necessarily got that absolutely spot on. I think that's what that's what I would say. I think if I had my time again, I'd, I'd definitely have a crack at doing it. Do bring an investment on faster. So, what does the next six years look like then? In that case, if you've you've kind of learned from those mistakes or indeed lessons, are you going to bring on more investment moving forward? Yes, we will. Yes, we'll be doing bringing more investment on board uh, later. The plan is for uh, later this year, um, which we're really excited about. Um, yeah, we've got some fantastic uh, new products that we'll be launching. Products that we've got already tap into some really exciting health trends. So we've got bars that have um, extra vitamins which are really good for immune support we've got snacks as well that offer probiotics which are really good for gut health so we're really at the sort of um, emerging sort of trend area of like nutritional health but making sure that you know our products are really really tasty so yeah so lots of uh, areas around new product development but then um but then expansion you know into into new places where people can buy us mm-hmm. um so new retailers in the uk and abroad is it not quite a good american centric and american focused product though because they're they are very very in certain states uh, focused on, on on health and well-being and this sounds like it could work really well out there yeah, yeah, I think it could. Um, uh, it's definitely on our radar. We've had some some good leads over there, and and in other countries in Europe and beyond as well. So expanding our footprint in the UK is a key priority, and also uh, looking at opportunities um, outside the UK. We've got some exciting things in the pipeline that we should be launching, and Amazon actually is a is a good opportunity as well for us to to launch into other countries. So you're going to be in the business for the foreseeable, or are you expecting an exit at some point, Anne? I'll be in the business for the foreseeable. I mean, it's it's in my it's the name's in the name, so I have to, yeah. I have to say <laughs> the name is in the name, and you're in lots of people's cupboards. But and thank you ever so much for that. I've really enjoyed it. And um, and if people want to find out more, where can they go to a buy from you guys and be sort of you know experience a bit more about you? Yeah, brilliant. So um, our website is www.perkia.co.uk. Um, we're on Amazon. If you search for Perkia, then you can see our shop there. And we have a really good variety box where you can buy um, eight different flavours of our bars for £8 on Amazon. So um, really, really good opportunity to, to taste the range and um, have it delivered to your sofa. Well, almost to your sofa um, <laughs> for free, especially if you're on Prime. So yeah, that would be good. And then we're on social media, Perkia Feeds. Boom. Thank you so much, Anne. Really appreciate it. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you. 
If you're looking for more stories from inspirational entrepreneurs, then check out The Serial Entrepreneur from Startups Magazine, a digital and print publication that champions tech startups. You can find them by searching The Serial Entrepreneur, as in your breakfast, into any streaming service or by going to startupsmagazine.co.uk. Thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to subscribe on all major podcast streaming platforms. Without you, this podcast is literally pointless. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts so that we can continue to climb the rankings. And if you want to join me on the show or know somebody else who will fit the bill, please contact me via LinkedIn at Oliver Bruce Online. Thanks again for listening. Take care.